We're in 1 Peter chapter 3. We're taking just verse 7 this morning. Let us, let us read the verse and then we'll get into the verses here, or the verse. Husbands, likewise. Let me pause. Gentlemen, man, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So I started saying <clears throat> husbands because it is geared toward husbands, but I say men because even if you're single, uh, highly likely you have a desire to be married. There's a small remnant of someone who's been given the gift of singleness. But most men have been given not the gift of singleness, but desire to be with a woman. But I say to all, because you can learn in a single state, if you're looking to get married, you can learn now so that you can learn before you get married and not learn on the job training. That's a little bit more challenging, but that's how it works. But if you remember, as we look at First and Second Peter, and we're in First Peter today, we see these letters written by the Apostle Peter, written for Christians who were going through tremendous trials and tribulations where they lived in those providences, those Asian providences. And through these difficulties, it has a tendency in our lives, as in their lives in those days, when you go through trials and tribulations and difficulties in your life, in a family life, or whatever the community life, whatever it may be, it can raise up and bubble up some of the most darkest, ugliest things of who you are. And they have to be dealt with. It, many times it can happen where it can be others ugliness comes out and you are around them because they're part of the family they're part of the church family they're part of the work environment and when those ugly things bubble up out of them because through difficulties you have to deal with them you have to understand that and so in the family relationship between a husband and wife this is what Peter's addressing because there were some challenges because the ladies were going through the most change than anything else even the men too. So Peter's trying to encourage them. Through First and Second Peter, we see that these letters are given to us with instructions and perspectives of how to do life through trials. That's why Peter wrote these letters. Now, in chapter 3, we ended there last week at the very beginning. The best way to win an unsaved husband to the Lord is for him to watch her continue to respect his position in the position that God gave him as the head of the household or the uh, having the authority in the household, which means he is held accountable by God for what happens within that marriage and that family. As I told you, ladies, you have a lot of freedom from here because God is going to hold those men responsible, be as a believers or non-believers, of what they do with what God has given them. A lot of pressure for a man. 
Not only will she win him to Christ through the fact that she, even as an unbelieving husband and all the ugliness that comes with it, she is going to continue to respect the position of authority that God has placed him in. He may not have wanted it. He may not still want it. Only when he really wants it. But when he doesn't even really want it, he doesn't want that responsibility, he's still held accountable. The second way we learned last week is how a woman uh, wins an uh, unbelieving husband to Christ is the fact that she will quietly and gently live this holy life, a Christ-like obedient life that is consistent with what she says, what God says in the word, and her life matches it. And an unbeliever is like, my wife is actually doing what the Bible says. That is amazing. And that will draw him to Christ. So ladies... If you're dealing with an unbelieving husband or a husband who says he's a believer but living like an unbelieving carnal husband, respect the position that God is going to hold him responsible for. Respect him in that position as a head of a household. And two, live like Christ. Keep your eyes on Jesus, live like Christ. These two things will draw him back to Christ or to Christ for the very first time. Regardless of how you feel, that is the instructions that God gives us through 1 Peter to you. Are you with me, ladies? Sisters? Are you tracking? Okay, a little bit of smile or something, some, some acknowledgement. But then we see likewise in the same manner the phrase for husbands as well. Peter discusses that even if you're a woman or a man, you have both the likewise. What is that likewise? We learn in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25, the example of Jesus Christ. That is our example. That's who we live for. That's who we model our lives after is Jesus Christ and no other. Just as Jesus was submissive and obedient to his heavenly Father's will, so as a Christian husband and wife should follow his example. We recognize we should have a role model, that we should follow this role model of Jesus Christ. But the challenge that we have in this world today is many people have role models. We follow these influences in our every area of our life. Many people, these wives, have influencers on social media. You watch this influencer, you watch that influencer, and you on this social media, and what do they do in this regards to marriage, in regards to raising kids? And you have all kinds of influencers. Understand the word influencers. Those individuals you do not know through a social media is causing you to change your attitude and mindset and make and change your behaviors by someone you don't even know. You don't even know if they're even godly examples because you just listen to the influencers because they have so many followers. That can be very dangerous. Or others can be having a lot of talking heads. Did you watch the news today? Did you read this here? And you watch all these talking heads and it will influence you in your attitude and your behavior and your outlook of what is going on in this world. I'm saying to you today, the only influencer you need to have is the scripture. That is Jesus Christ, the word. That is who needs to influence you. How to raise your family, how to have a healthy marriage, and how to have a healthy life, how to work well within a work environment and your neighborhood. God has it spelled out for what we need for life. Why are we going out to other influencers or talking heads? 
That's your warning for the day. Now I'm just getting warmed up. You can see how it's going to be for the rest of the guys here today. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I have to tell you because I hear all these, oh, I have an influencer, I have this and that. But you don't hear anything about the word of God coming out of their mouth. That is a warning to you and I. That our lives are not centered on Christ. Period. Period. Let the word of God flow out of your mouth on the things of life so that you are not taken off track from a biblical worldview. That's very important for you and I. When, Christ, when Christian couples try to imitate the world and get their standards from the world and they learn the ways of the world, instead of learning from biblical worldview points, there will be trouble in your home. There'll be trouble. There'll be conflict. If both the husband and wife will imitate Jesus Christ in his submission and obedience and his desire to serve others, then there will be victory and blessing and joy within your house. That's the promise of God. Peter states in, in chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, a woman's beauty is based on the inward character, not the outward. It's not the big hair. It's not the big bling of jewelry. It's not, it, it's, it's not the trendy apparel of getting attention. Ladies, your value is not in the outward. God says the value of you is a godly Christian woman character on the inside. That is what is valued. And that value only gets better with time. The outward doesn't get better with time. I know, I'm being too much truth, not a lot of love here. I know, I know. No, okay, it's only men who gets worse. Women, you just glow the whole time outward and inward. I know, I know, I know. But a Christian woman's true beauty is the inward character. Maturing to this gentle and quiet spirit within. She understands, as a Christian woman, that she is precious in the value in Christ. She's valued. Now you have to understand, in the Roman culture, in the Jewish culture, women were not treated as equal. They were looked down upon. This was radical teaching from Peter. It was radical teaching from Jesus that women were equal to men, that they were valued and they were equal in, in every aspect of life. Different roles and responsibilities, yes, but value is the equal and the same. And so when you take a look at this and you can see the struggles, this is why Peter was writing it. In Christ, we see a wonderful blend of strength and gentleness that is what it takes to be a successful husband. We will see today that the husband will learn as he grows and matures in Christ's love, then that love will pour out of his life and affect his wife and others around him. When we see that the husband learns he does not need to lord over his wife, he just needs to love his wife. This will come as he grows and matures in Christ. 
Christian women were experiencing all kinds of this new life in Christ and, and then freedom in Christ and then just trying to get their heads around this. But many times people forget the start of why we're challenged within our family units and our marriages. It starts, if you remember, Genesis 2.18, the Lord said to it, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. He's out there doing what God called him to do. Work. Work the land. Work the garden. Do what I'm asking you to do. Then he sees that it, he doesn't have anyone compatible, comparable to him. So he creates. He's going to create woman. And so in Genesis 2.22, then he took the rib that the Lord took out of Adam and he created woman. He brought her to the man. Man did not go looking for woman. God brought the woman to the man. Then we see in Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. We call marriage. A joining of two individual people to one. A mysterious and miraculous thing that, from a spiritual and a physical level that we can't even understand completely. We just know what the scripture tells us. Genesis 3, 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to take one's wise, she took its fruit and ate and she also gave it to her husband with her and he ate. This is where the fall, everything changed. God said, don't, no touchy. Don't touch that tree. And she was deceived, Eve was. And she influenced her husband even though he clearly knew God told him he was not to touch or eat of that tree. In Genesis 3, 9, we see, Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Who did he, God go to, to for this accountability of what took place? Man. God knew what happened. But he came to the man and asked, Where are you, Adam? 3.11 says, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I command you that you should not eat? God's always asking a question to see how you're going to respond, truthfully or not. Then we see in 3.16 of Genesis, to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception, pregnancy. In pain you shall bring forth children. You shall desire, your desire shall be your husband, and he shall rule over you. So when did this authority, a position of authority, come in play? Right from the very beginning after the fall. That God set it in order that man would oversee the wife in that relationship. And God put a desire in the woman for the man. That is something a woman cannot shake. God put it in a woman to desire for the man. In Genesis 3.17, then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, he put the wife before the Lord, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Men, gentlemen, 
The work that you were doing, Adam, in the garden was so easy, so good, so right. Everything's fine. Everything's flowing just beautiful. Now it's cursed. And you're going to sweat and you're going to work and it's going to be your priority. And you wonder why as we go through the rest of this verse. Why men so focus on work, 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 work. Why? Because that's how God created us. And why does a wife have such a desire for her husband to be around her and always to talk to her and to be with her and, and do things with her? Because that is right from the very beginning. That's how God created her to be. So understand those two th fundamental things. Men, women, ladies, brothers, sisters. Right from the very beginning of Genesis, we can see why is it that you desire your husband so much? And why you, you, where is he? Why isn't he there? Why is, always tentative, always watching. Right from the beginning. Why is he always talking about work? Why is he always feeling like he has to do something and work and, and accomplish and build and do it? Because that's how God created him. It's part of the fall. He was always working, but now it's going to be harder and sweat and difficulty. Keep those in the back of your mind as we go through this. And then 1 Corinthians 11.3. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. Guys, who rules over you? Christ. And the head of the woman is who? Man. And the head of Christ is God. There is order, there is authority, there's overseeing, there's ruling, there's a, who has a say in what you are going to do. Do not get out of that order. Because if you go outside that order, you're going to have chaos in your life. You're going to have chaos in your family, in your marriage. So when you sit there and women, I'm going to rule over my husband, you are in big trouble, ladies. Men, if you're not overseeing and, and watching and protecting as we go through this, and you're just kind of out there doing your own thing, watch out, men, you're in big trouble. Especially if you're not going to Christ for everything. And seeking his wisdom to how to, 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 to raise a family and have a marriage. If you're not and you're on your knees praying always to Jesus to help you, you men, you're in trouble. You have to understand that the husband and wife relationship is meant to illustrate the connection between Jesus and the church. Did you know that? That is critical, and most people don't get that. Pointing others to the importance of God-given relationship, a marriage between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, points people to Jesus. Why do you think the enemy wants to destroy the marriage? Because you destroy the marriage, you don't point anybody to Jesus. Marriage is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's always about Jesus. Why would God ordain that our relationship as husband and wife point people to the connection between Jesus and the church? Why? The reason is because God designed marriage in the first place. It isn't to fulfill what you perceive to be your every need. Oh, I have every, all these needs. I need to get married to a woman. That's not why you get married. Oh, I just want to be happy. I just want someone to be there for me. Oh, yeah. Ladies, you're not going to be always happy in a marriage. 
The reason why we get married is because God ordained it because it's not good for a man to be alone and a woman to be alone. The reason God designed marriage is so that there's an account of God sending Jesus to earth to die a sacrificial death. Paying the penalty of our sins and offer us a place in heaven for eternity with him is the act of grace. And it's through this marriage covenant is a display of God's grace and what Jesus has done for the world. It is about our marriage relationship demonstrating this unconditional, sacrificial, and redemptive love between two people. Representing the good news. The good news of the gospel to those who are watching your life. It's an amazing grace when people watch a healthy, beautiful, God-centered marriage. It draws people to Christ. That's why marriages are so important. That's why you have to do it God's way and not the world's way. Do it God's way and not your parents' way. Unless they were godly parents and doing it God's way, then you have great example on earth to do. also look at that. But here Peter writes to the Christian husbands. We already talked about the first six verses of this submission of this in the family of the women. We had, they had six verses. Men, you only have one. And we're just getting started. But there's a conduct within husbands that need to be focused upon. And God is giving us one verse, but four parts to this verse. So hang on to all four parts. Because we're going to take this apart so you can see what the Lord has for you today. It says here, husbands likewise. So Peter's going to exhort these Christian husbands to give the special gift of love to them that God has designed them that they need. And what is this gift of love? The gift of understanding, to be considerate, to respect your wives in four areas. What are those four areas? We'll see this in this verse. The first one is physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual needs. Follow along with me here. We're to dwell, not duel, with your wives. Did you get that? Husbands, you're to dwell with your wives. You're not to fight and butt heads and, and, and duel with your wives. You can grapple with your brother, but don't be grappling with your wife. You can butt heads with your brother, but don't butt heads, butt heads with your brother. You're with your wife. We are to dwell with them. That's the physically. We're to physically dwell with our wives. My wife wants me to live with her. Your wife wants you to live with her. And any thought of living out and not living with her is going against the scripture. It goes against what she needs. So don't get in your head, oh, we'll be fine, separated, and live two different lives because she doesn't need me. She needs you. And you need her. You're going to die if you don't have her. <laughs> Sometimes it's more than others. 
But this dwelling is more than just sharing the same address. It's not sharing the same expenses. It's not sharing the same, you know, meet certain, you know, someone has to do my dishes. No, that's not what it means here. Dwell means be fully committed to being with her. To be engaged with her. Ephesians 5.31, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Do you realize to become one flesh you had to physically be together? To dwell together. A godly husband lives with his wife. He doesn't merely share space. He doesn't share expenses. He doesn't share a meal together. It's talking about literally, truly living life, doing life with her. That is what the scripture says. We must, men, dwell with her with understanding. And some other versions you may have, like the King James, this is the new King James, but the King James says knowledge. You may have it in your version. And I almost kind of like that more than understanding. Why? Because you can gain knowledge and your knowledge of who she is as a woman. But you're not going to fully understand that. <laughs> you're going to know her, but you may not understand her why she does what she does. I've been told many times, they don't even know why they do some of the things that they do. So it's not just like you're losing it, man. Sometimes they, you just, they don't even understand why their emotions are the way they are. Their feelings are the way they are. The way they react with they are. But just understand, it's going to be probably opposite of yours. I think we should go left. No, we should go right. <laughs> it's too bright. No, no, it's too dim. It's too hot. No, it's too cold. Have you ever experienced that? No, don't answer that. Don't answer that. Let me just keep going here. But the husband needs to recognize that the great point of Paul's teaching, even in Ephesians 5, is that husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, who loves his wife, loves himself, Ephesians 5.28. Man, you think about yourself all the time. But your wives don't always understand that you think about her all the time. You should. Just as Jesus gave himself to the church. What does that mean? What did Jesus do to give himself to the church? What does that mean? He died. So husbands, we enter into this woman's world, your wife's world, and then what do you do? You die. How simple can I make it for you guys? You enter in a world called marriage, then you die. Is that simple enough, men? Just as Jesus entered the world, and he died. But don't forget, he resurrected. Men, when you enter into this woman's world, and you die, you will come out and you will grow, and yes, resurrected from your single male's life. And you'll get better. Because that's how God designed marriage, is to refine you. You heard me last week. You're very selfish. 
then you get married, and the two of you come very selfish. And then when God blesses you with a gift of child, then you realize how selfish you are, and then you realize how much you need each other just to survive that nine-pound baby. And how much you need God's wisdom in raising his child. And you realize how selfish you are and how you need to live for God and God to work through you. Because the godly husband understands the essential unity and oneness God has established between husband and wife. In this physical relationship, this dwelling together. But you just don't dwell together because if you just dwell physically together and you men do not understand and gain knowledge and understanding of who you're, this woman that God has given you and brought to you, if you don't understand her, you're going to have major problems. And it's by God's grace and his mercy that he gives you time to grow and to mature, to learn who she is. You think you know her until you get married. And then you realize how important the top and how tight it is on the toothpaste. You do not want to crank that thing down. It breaks all kinds of problem craziness. Which side is the toilet paper roll? Where, how the dishes are cleaned. It goes on and on. You don't realize how that important, because in your life, you're like, I don't care. But in her world, it cares. You need to understand these things in the physical realm with your wife, to dwell in understanding. Why? Because we also see the fact that we dwell through these seasons of life, that while we're not wrong for a wife to, to understand, as we dwell together, we have this, these things that we have to understand. And I'll, I'll kind of put it into perspective here and we'll move on. But God is called man to work. We established that in Genesis. His priority is he has to work. That is what God is doing. That means he's providing physical and material needs for the house as they dwell together. God is holding man responsible for that. Now, while it's not wrong for a wife to have a job, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a job. You, absolutely. Have you ever read you know, Proverbs 31 women? And it's amazing. But it's not wrong for the wife to have a job or a career. It's just that her first responsibility is to care for the home. Priorities. Her first responsibility is care for the home. How, how do I know that? Well, we know that in Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Go back and read that, ladies. Amen. Your first priority is taking care of the home, keeping the home in order. Don't let the men keep it in order. I assure you, it probably won't be in order very long. I always test that. Wives go off on a, like a little conference, a little you know thing, and it's just just the men. I mean, within two hours, that place is destroyed. You know, men. You know what I'm talking about. And then what, happened, what do you do at the very time when you know she's coming back? She's going to be back in tomorrow. What do you do? I can't do anything, Pastor. I'm cleaning the house up before she gets back. Because you know why? Because you dwell with understanding. You know she's not going to want to come back to a dirty house. So anyway, we know that the priorities is that God says, meant you need to work and dwell with understanding with your wife. 
Women, you can work, but your first priority and responsibility is to make sure the house is in order. And the husband should also provide. We see that for husbands in 1 Timothy 5.8. Go back and read that, man. But we dwell through all kinds of seasons of life with her. You can't sit there and say, hey, I spent a whole six months trying to study her before I got married. I think I know her. I love premarital counsel. Because I always ask the men, what's, her, what's the color of her eyes? Uh, what's her favorite color? Uh, what's her favorite flower? Oh, you know. <laughs> Most men, they need to learn these things that are important. What makes her laugh? What's her favorite foods? You're going to dwell together. You should start to learn these things. Why? Because there's going to be seasons of life. And as a single woman, she's one way. And then when you get engaged, she comes woman number two. She, she seems different. And now you're trying to figure out why she seems to be acting differently now. Then you get woman number three when you get married. Well, she never said it that. She never thought it was a big deal. She always said, whatever you want to do, I love doing that. Now we're married. She said, no, we're not doing those things. No, we're not doing these things. No, what happened to the woman I, I was engaged to or I first met? And then there's the next woman or the next season of life. Add children. She doesn't even know I exist in this house. She just wants me to change diapers. Hello, I'm still here. But her priority and focus is on who? Her responsibility is motherhood. That's a ministry now she has to take as a priority. But again, it shouldn't be, the child shouldn't be over the husband. Then she gets into the next season of life, and the children are growing up, and you are trying to figure out life as a couple. And eventually, I hate to say this, but those little beautiful little children that you have, they grow up and they get married and leave you too. Now it's just the two of you again. That's a new season that you're going to have to understand her. Then her body changes and you get older and you're getting older age and, and things are not like you were in dwelling together, men, physically in your 20s. Things change. It's a new season and you're going to have to change as well. There's different seasons. Men, I want to encourage you. Constantly study your wife. Constantly understand. Constantly ask questions. Constantly watch and see. And don't get frustrated when the seasons change and you miss the season. You know, you know me. When you see the geese starts flying south, I don't care what the date is, the season's changing. <laughs> we had a little laugh this morning. I said, I'm on this thing about early fall, early winter, because the geese are already going. And my wife, I look at the bed and I go, those are scarves. I know what scarves mean. Those don't only come out when it's to be fall time. And she's thinking it's fall and it's cold. So I, I jokingly say, oh, I see another sign. The scarves are coming out. I need to take note. Because seasons are changing. Things are changing. You have to observe these things. You cannot be blind to these things. And it's only by the grace of God that he gives you wisdom and understanding to see the things that your wives need in the different seasons of life. And this is a lifelong pursuit while the two of you are together until the Lord takes one of you or both together. Amen?
Not only are you supposed to dwell physically and understand her physical needs and provide for her physical needs to make sure she's that, but we also see with understanding of the intellectual, that the godly husband undertakes the important job of understanding his wife, knowing her well and able to demonstrate his love for her far more effectively if you understand who she is. And, the, and, and, and again, I'm telling you, I don't have this perfect. I know what the scripture says. I know what is right. I know what has been learned and the lessons learned from what I should never do again and the things when I do things right and I should continue to do those things. I'm just saying, man, you need to continue to keep pressing forward to know your wife and understanding and by the grace of God and the mercies of God to help you apply it consistently. Because the challenge for us men is we might get it once right. But we have to get it consistently right and over a period of time, and that can be a very challenging time. But we must intellectually engage with our wives. Don't doesn't say you will understand why your wife does certain things, because you won't. But he, but we see in, the, in Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He knew that women's greatest need is knowing that she is loved supremely by her husband. That the woman is always checking and affirming and testing and looking to see if her husband loves her. So you'll hear the things, honey, do you love me? Yes, the last five times today I said the same thing. I love you, yes. I haven't changed in, the, in a half a day. Honey, do I look nice? Yes, we are. I'm thinking in my mind, I'm thinking you're gorgeous. But sometimes, men, I don't say it out loud to her. She needs to hear me say it. Not just think it. Are you with me, men? Do you like this outfit? Be careful of the trap. Does this make me look? Oh, be careful, men. Be careful, men. I'm trying to teach you, young my young brothers. Be careful of that. You just say you look radiant, sweetheart. That outfit is perfect on you. Because she's always looking for a response. She wants to hear, honey, you're beautiful. Honey, I love you. Honey, you look gorgeous in that outfit. Honey, I'm so glad you're by my side. I'm so glad we're the, the uh, oneness. She needs to hear these things. You can't just be thinking them. You have to say them. She needs it. Why? Because that's how God created her. She desires for you. That's what God has put. We saw that in Genesis. That's not going to change. And so when the husband has this understanding and God's directing to use it, that he can help you dwell with her with understanding, and this understanding produces a beautiful marriage that becomes a bright light for those around outside looking into your life, this draws people to Christ. Now, I understand I don't understand fully. You know, sometimes people will ask you ladies, what does your husband do? And you ladies go, I have no idea. But I know who he is. I don't know what he does, but I know who he is. 
Husbands, do you, if I ask you that same question, how do you know your wife? Could you sit there and give me a detailed understanding that you really do understand who your wife is? You should. It's amazing that two married people can live together and not really know each other. But Christian husbands need to know his wife's moods. He needs to know her feelings. He needs to know her needs. He needs to know her fears. He needs to know her hopes. She, you need to know these things. We need to learn how to listen, men, with your heart and to share loving and meaningful communications with your wife. That's something you must practice and get right. The sooner you do it, the better off you will be. My wife's always reminding me and teaching me. You're home with me now. Talk to me. I'm your wife. I'm not your buddy. <laughs> I'm, not one of, you're not one of, I'm not one of the guys. I'm not, this is not work. You're, you're, you're home now. It's okay. Talk with me like husband and wife now. Let's talk. Not talk like you're at work or something to that effect. And I try to learn and learn. And almost 34 years, and I'm not still learning. And I think the key is speaking the truth with love is the solution to the communication problem, Ephesians 4.15. Men and women, you ladies, gentlemen, you husbands, wives, my brothers, sisters, you need to, to have a relationship where you can speak truth and love. And it's safe enough to speak truth and love. Men, I understand this. You don't want to have another butting of heads or grappling with your wife. And you say, I want to say this to her, but I can't. Because if I say it, then she's going to get really emotional. And a lot of things are going to go. And the things of the past are going to come up. And, and I don't want to deal with this. I can't handle this right now. So I'm just going to let it pass. Guys, we'll just let it pass. And we'll not bring it up. We'll not talk about it. Even though it's truth and love, you want to say it. You don't want to deal with the situation at hand. Because you know it will be a very late night. Ladies, I'm telling you, that's what goes on in men's heads. They want to tell you how they're feeling and what their needs are and what they are feeling. Something's not right. And if they feel like you're butting heads with them. You feel like you're disrespecting them by dominating them because you're not the quiet and uh, gentle spirit. You're coming and bolding and opinions and all kinds of... And they want to say... This is not making me feel good about this. And so what happens is men will go all of a sudden cold and distant and quiet and go into the little shelter and their protection mode. And ladies, you do what? You shall try to pull them out of the room. You're, you're, you're following them around, trying to pull them out of their minds because they're into their craziness of their mind. And you're trying to get him to talk and he's not willing to talk because he can't feel comfortable speaking truth and love with you without emotional bomb going off. Ladies, one of the things we learned early on in our, in our marriage is that I, I, had to, I had to communicate. When you have children and things are, your wife is trying to, you know, all the multiple, multiple things that she's dealing with and the pressures, and you're coming back from work, 
one of the things I finally had to say, I just need to have a safe landing. I, I, we were in the Air Force at the time. I just need a safe landing when I come to work. I come home. Just let me come in and land here without chaos. So can you be the first one I see? You know, let the dog go crazy. The dog will disappear. But don't let the kids bombard me yet. Just, just keep things in order when I'm coming home. I'll give you a four, you know, 15 minute warning before I get home. Get things in order. Just kind of keep things calm so I can get in, put my stuff down so things don't get crazy. And she did that because she knew how important it was for me to safe landing so that I can re-engage with the family now and put work aside. These are the important small little conversations that you're sitting on a couch and you have couch time and you talk through these things in a gentle and loving way so that you can share your needs to each other and ask those hard questions. And men, you got to man up and you got to actually speak the truth in love to your wives. You really do. Because if not, it will dwell up and it gets worse. And you won't want to dwell physically. You will not want to intellectually engage with your wife. You become this, you're just the stresses and everything else and you'll just disengage. And you will be there maybe physically, but mentally you're not there. And that's all stemming from not speaking truth in love. Then we see here, one of the things about the pitfalls of this relationship intellectually is watching out for the pitfall of, your, of this spiraling down. When one becomes assertive and cold and distant and one's mind that says, I'm running, I'm going to be doing me, I don't, want, I don't need you anymore, I don't need anybody, I can do it myself. These kinds of squirrely things in your head as a married couple is a bad sign for a woman and a man. But it comes very easy for a man to sit there and say, I'm done with this thing. I'm, I'm just running. I'm going to go do my thing. And I'm just going to work all the time. And she can take care of the kids. And it's that is going to cause major problems. You're going to get on this crazy cycle that's going to take you so fast and so quickly down and ruin your marriage. You've got to stop those thoughts. Because what that does is it just compounds the insecurity of your wife when you draw cold and distant and not engage. You cause more insecurity of your wife. And when that happens, what does that cause her to do? It starts, she starts challenging your authority and your decision makings. And she becomes the head of the household because you become disengaged. And when that happens, you feel more disrespected. And because she's making all the choices, making all the decisions, and you're, she's driving it because you have let go of your authority. And you get this horrible, crazy cycle going down. It's going to destroy your marriage. Because the more cold and distant you are, the less secure she feels and the, and the more disrespected you become. And the less secure she feels, the more she challenges your decisions and, co and grows cold. The more she challenges your decisions, the colder you become. And, and there goes the marriage. Every marital problem, if I ever sit down, is because communication, because people have gone cold, they've gone and do their separate things, just kind of cohabitating, and it's, that is the problem. And that has to change. The next one, not only physically and intellectually, but we see in giving honor, we're seeing emotionally, you must learn to appreciate your wife and all the qualities that God has given her. 
The godly husband knows how to make his wife feel honored and respects his wife's feelings and thinking and desires. Desires to hear her input. Desires to see what her needs are. Desires in how her fe- why she feels the way she feels. You're not going to understand it. But you need to hear it anyway because you need to take that in and then you take it to God and say, God, help me to understand how to meet the feelings. I'm not sure how to do that. How do I meet the needs? I'm not sure how to do that. God, show me in your word. Show me in my time and I cry out to you. How do I minister to my wife? And God will faithfully be there for you, men. Now, ladies, your husband's They want to appreciate you. They do respect you. They're in awe of you in many times because they're amazed at what you're capable of doing and remembering and juggling. But he may not always agree with your ideas. He may not always agree with your feelings. But he still appreciates and respects the fact that you are sharing your feelings and your ideas and thoughts. But ultimately, he has to take all the things to the Lord because he, the Lord is over him. The Lord is his head. He has to take those. You're not his head. As much as you hear these things, oh, my husband thinks he's in charge, but I am the neck of the head and I can turn it any way I want to. I don't like that. That, that, That's not, I I don't line that up with scripture. Yes, you have influence. You're an influencer. There we go. You're an influencer in his life. There you go. Man, that's the only influencer you should have in your life besides Christ, is your wife. But emotionally, often God balances a marriage so that the husband husband's needs what the wife has in her personal strength. Hence why he added her to your life. First seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. And one of those things is a wife to you because he knows you, her strengths and her abilities and her tenderness and the things you need to appreciate because he's bringing it into your life because you need her in your life. And though she submits to him, He takes care that she does not feel, and this is important, man. Make sure as you're dwelling with your wife physically and intellectually and emotionally, you do not make her feel like she's an employee of yours or you're some tyrant over her, that you're lording over her. You do not do that. Jesus never lorded over. Study his relationship with his disciples. You'll never see him lording over. He led. Likewise, you should love her. She takes care of that he does not, that she does not make him feel, just like he doesn't make her feel like she's an employee or some tyrant over she cannot make sure, ladies, you do not make your husband feel like he's a cash cow 
and you're just there to make it so I can have babies that, and then you can disappear because I don't need you anymore. Those kinds of messages, I've got my babies, I don't need you anymore. I don't need to have any physical dwelling with you anymore because I already have my babies. And I, I just need a cash cow. Go work, go get another job, three jobs, four jobs, whatever it is. Make sure you provide my lifestyle that I want so I can have the big hair, so I can have the jewelry, can I have the apparel, I can have the house. When you start making men feel like they're just a cash cow, it is you're disrespecting him like no other. Because I've heard it so many times. I work, 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 and she's never happy. Gentlemen, you must dwell with her. And honestly, it says, in giving honor to the wife, it's, there's this a feminine one, a feminish. This this beautiful thing that God has given you. And I had to learn early on that she is a delicate flower. And that is a delicate, rare flower. And it's a one-of-a-kind flower that God has given you. And there's a, just a, a special way you're supposed to handle her. And you're going to have to learn how to handle her because every flower is different and special. And you can't sit there and go, how do you deal with your wife like that? Man, don't give them advice. Just point them back to Jesus and tell them to get on their knees and start praying because you don't have a clue how to do your wife. How do you can give advice to someone else about their wife? So get into the word of God, men, and pray because she's a delicate flower and she has to be watered a certain way. She has to be, temperature has to be just right. These things, and she blooms and she's beautiful and she's great. And you have fragrance that comes from that relationship when you treat her like that. It's not easy. But it's important that you emotionally dwell with her because this was so radical in the teaching that Peter was doing because in that culture, women actually had no rights whatsoever. They were looked down upon. They were All the pressures of duties and obligations were poured onto the wife like a servant, like a slave. They didn't have anything. And now God is saying, ladies, you're equal and you're blossoming and men are are going to dwell and and, and and treat you in this like you're a princess like Sarah means princess you're going to be like a princess and she's going to he, he needs to treat you like that this is a good thing this is the right thing men are like what how do I supposed to treat her this way that's not how I was raised but you need to learn that why because he says as the weaker vessel for some women like weaker vessel I hope that's not in your mind right now. But let me give you a reality check. Men are physically, in most, 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 most cases, are physically stronger than women. Now, there's some rare moment. But I can tell you, ladies, no man here that I know of. And if you are, don't tell it out loud. Come see me because I want to talk to you. But I don't know a man who says, I'm looking for a woman quality that can out-arm wrestle me. That has bigger biceps than me. Now, they may outrun you because you're a slugger, but that's a different point. I'm talking physical strength here, physically and emotionally. In some cases, men are stronger in many ways. Why? Because we are designed differently by God. Man is different from woman, woman from Dan. And again, you can see what God has established and how the, uh, Satan is turning everyone's minds and changing all of that. You can see it so clear as can be. 
But let me take you back to reality of what the God designed you to be. And so because there's a weaker vessel, man, because you, he's saying you must protect your wife. You have to do it. I can tell you when someone says, oh, I think we're thinking about, I think we should get married. I immediately, one of the key things I look for in the man, if he's truly, this is the one God has, he will be in protective mode over her. It will just a natural thing. A man will automatically protect her if she's the one that God is bringing into her life. Any other man, they don't protect. Yeah, a godly man will think about the, you know, who's going to get off the boat first? Do they say men first? No. The building is is burning down. Do they say look for the children and the men first, or they look say look for the woman and children? The weaker vessel is not, a, is not a subservient thing at all. It's just recognized that the woman desires to be protected. Desires for that strong, big bicep to come around her shoulder and hold her. When things are scary. She desires love and she desires security. Those are the two biggest things, men, you need to study your wife on. She desires love from you, and she desires security. And one of those things is you need to protect her physically, protect her emotionally, protect her from the outside things that are coming in and looking. Why? Because Adam missed this point. He allowed her to talk with Satan in that garden. He was passive. Then he followed her lead and listened to her. And he took that fruit as well. Be very careful, men, that you're not swayed. And men are not usually swayed too often emotionally. But the godly husband recognizes whatever limitations his wife has physically or has emotionally in some situations, he does not expect more from her than appropriate and that is kind. That's why I tell men when they go to war, please don't call your wives and tell them of the war and the, and the, and the fact that bombs just dropped 100 feet from you and gunshots going over your head and you think this is really cool. Call me. I think it's cool. And I'll pray for you. But don't do that with your wife because she emotionally, that will make her very insecure to think her husband is that close to death. Let her just not know and let her just continue to pray for you. Be careful what you share. And then lastly, spiritually, the fourth item here is heirs together. That means spiritually, you're heirs together. You respect her. The fact that mutual respect for one another in that time of Peter's time, he's saying you're equal. Spiritually, you're equal in eyes God, in, in, in God's eyes. You're one and the same. Even now, you're not some more spiritual than the other because you're the head of the household. No, spiritually, more like matter of fact, women are more spiritual than men. They have a much better prayer life than men. They read the scriptures more statistically than men. It shouldn't be. They desire for godly fellowship and fellowshipping with another. Not men. But men, we need to step up. 
You need to be in the word. You need to be in prayer. You need to be in, stay in fellowship. You need to continue to bring your wife alongside and serve God together. That's how God designed it. But you're equal. There's a oneness. And because you're heirs, because this reminds husbands that even though they have been given great authority, great responsibility within the marriage, wives are still equal to them, spiritual privilege and eternal importance, and they're joint heirs in Christ. And ladies, you need to know that as well. For in Christianity, it removes any kind of barriers that exist between people. We all come the same way to the same Lord to receive the same grace. We are all one. Heirs together of the grace of God. We share together equally in the things of the Lord. We see in Colossians 3.11, For there is neither male nor female, bond or free. Christ is all in all. All in all. And here's the warning that Peter gives you and I as husbands. If you don't take heed and take these instructions, men, here's what Peter says. Your prayers may not be hindered. If you do these things, your prayers will not be hindered. If you don't do these things, your prayers will be hindered. Try having an intense discussion with your wife in the car on the way to church. And then you get to come here and there's three brothers and something's going on. And someone turns to you and says, brother, can you pray for such and such? You have the most squirreliest prayer moment at that time. You're like, no, oh, I don't think I should pray. You know, because you just know the squirreliness you just had with your wife. You can't pray. You honestly can't come to God and start asking for prayer because you're just, hey, things were not right. This is what's going to happen. He says, Peter says, the failure to live as a godly husband is a spiritual consequence. You're grieving the spirit of God that's in you and you're not going to hear. God says, get that relationship right before I start talking to you about anything else. Now, I, I think and ponder on that. That Peter, as the Holy Spirit gave him these words to give to husbands regarding making sure you dwell rightly with your wives, or if you don't, your prayers will be hindered. I pondered on that and I said, in those days, and it should be these days, that should bring absolute godly fear in a man's mind. Oh, no. God is not going to answer my prayers or hear my prayers. Oh, no, God. They should recognize and we should recognize that relationship with our God has been compromised because of our lack of doing what God's called us to do. Immature Christians or non-Christians hinder my prayer life? I don't pray now. How is that going to change anything? That shouldn't be in a mature life. That should make you shudder, men, that God wouldn't hear your prayers because your relationship with your wife is not right. That's why it should motivate you to get things right. Amen? Remember these important rules are very basic to good marriage. The more the wife submits to her husband, the easier he finds it to show her love. And the more he shows his love, the easier she finds it to submit to his authority. That basic. 
May we do it.